to HB RV Lifestyle. This is the Honey Badger here, giving it to you straight in the RV business as usual. Wow, has it been an incredible show season so far. <clears throat> the reason why it's been so incredible is I've been hearing some pretty decent numbers out of a lot of the shows. More than my expectations were. Uh... My expectations for a lot of these RV shows was, number one, I was expecting dealerships to raise their prices back up to profitability. And it didn't. It stayed the same. It stayed stagnant. Uh, it stayed towards the October, November, December. Remember when I told you that a lot of these dealerships were losing money on a lot of the inventory they had? And that probably wouldn't last until maybe last week of December. Well, I was wrong. <clears throat> I'll admit, I was wrong. It's something I did not foresee. I foresaw a lot of things that did occur. This is one of the only things that I foresaw that did not occur. So here in these January shows, uh, from, from what I'm being told by my friends in the industry, uh, they're not the dealerships are not making money and it's not their priority right now the priority for the majority of dealers going into these shows is to move inventory so you're getting a lot of uh i'm getting a lot of reports of certain brands certain manufacturers uh certain floor plans are just out of control discounted. I'm hearing about certain Keystone products like Montana and Cougar with certain dealers are taking huge, huge losers. Uh, even with the factory money that Keystone has offered them, they're still taking monster losers. There's a dealer back east uh, that was selling a travel trailer brand for three and four thousand dollar losers. Pure. That's that's not all the fluff you give the government or the fluff you give you know the company to pay less taxes. I'm talking about actual pure from invoice three and four thousand dollar losers on entry level travel trailers because they were attempting to move inventory. So I was very shocked by this, in a good way. Uh, I'm happy that, for you, the consumer, that you have another opportunity in January and possibly February to get the same kind of deal that people were getting in November, December. Now, guys, it's not going to get much better than that because there, there, you have to draw a line in the sand at some point, okay? At this point... Let me explain why it's not going to probably get any better. It's not going to get any better because now instead of worrying about profits, I'll worry about cash flow. Okay, So let me explain why these dealerships are taking these kind of beatings right now. Okay, It's because what you do, and this is as transparent as it gets, folks. Okay, It gets more transparent than Josh the RV nerd does. So a dealership when it's ran, has something called a floor plan. The floor plan is like a loan on the inventory. So you loan out each individual inventory. 
and they pay the same rate you do retail right now. So a lot of them are still are paying eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half percent interest on that on that unit. Well, when it reaches a certain age, you you are forced to pay down the principal. So it's not like a five-year loan or a six-year loan like a car or a 15-year loan on an RV. It could be 180 days. It could be 365 days. It could be anything in between. But the bank makes you start paying down the inventory loan with something called a curtailment. Basically, it's paying down the principal. So let's say they bought a motor. Um, let me give a good friend of mine's example. A good friend of mine is trying is selling a, a Super C motorhome, a Nexus Wraith. For he's trying to get rid of it, and how he's trying to get rid of it is he's trying to sell it for about ten grand back of what he purchased it for. So he's got it listed for a silly number, and he he's he's gotten a lot of phone calls, but people you know obviously they want to negotiate. Well, there's no negotiation once you get past ten grand below invoice, okay? Um, but he's paid down the loan to the point when he sells it for that ten thousand dollar loss, he's going to get a big chunk of money, a big chunk of cash back because he paid down the principal loan for the last three four months. And guys, we're not talking about oh they're paying down a thousand dollars, no. A lot of guys, so like, let's let's use some big, big monster dealers. Let's just use Camping World as an example, okay? This is a bad example because everybody knows Camping World, so it's easy to use their name. But this is not the truth about them. I want to make that clear, okay? I mean, that's the disclaimer. But I'm just using them as an example because everybody knows who they are, all right? So let's say Camping World has 6,000 pieces of inventory nationwide and they have to pay a curtailment on 2,000 pieces. They have to pay down the loan on 2,000 pieces. That isn't like a $200,000 check. That's like a 20, that's like a two to $6 million check, depending on what the invoice of the inventory is. Uh, An old dealership I used to work for, the guy was writing on 40 pieces, 260 to $300,000 a month in curtailments. So what that does is it takes cash out of the business. So when you have to pay that kind of, even though it's like a savings account, technically, you want to, you can call it that. I mean, there's a ton of dealers that look at it that way. But reality is, is if you're sitting and you're going, man, I just need cash. You're like, screw the profit, let's just get the cash back. And that's what they've been doing. So if you're seeing these really huge discounts going, why are they losing money? They might be losing profit, but they're gaining cash back. They're putting, they're injecting cash back into the business. Okay, You have to remember something, folks. A, de a business of any kind does not run on profit. It runs on cash flow. Lots of companies, lots of businesses uh, have a lot of expenses. So one of the things that, that is huge that I've talked about in other, podca other podcast episodes I've talked about on my YouTube channel 
is service contracts, extended warranties are an important item to a dealership because of cash flow, because that's what a service department provides. But when you're in the dog days of October, November, December, January, and they are the dog days, the, the normal dog days, service departments still don't bring in a lot of cash because unfortunately people don't bring in their rigs to get worked on in the winter. Even though it's highly recommended to do that, they wait till the last minute right before spring starts because they got other things on their mind. Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Thanksgiving, Halloween. There's just so much going on between Halloween and January 15th that folks don't think about it. Okay. At the end of the day, it looks like these next two shows that I know about on the West Coast are going to absolutely kill it. Now, I haven't checked in with my boss. My boss is actually in the Tampa show, uh, I believe with General RV down there. Great dealership, by the way, great company. Uh, so I haven't checked in with him to see how they're doing down there uh, so far. It's, it only just got started. But I know that, like, the show I'm going to be at. So I'm going to be at the Tacoma show in Washington State with Apache Campers, uh, January 19th through January 22nd. That's probably going to be a killer show for you to go and make your purchase. Uh, there's another show in northern Idaho, northwestern Idaho. We're talking about like Coeur d'Alene. Uh, Bobby Combs is going there. I actually feel bad. I actually wanted to try to make it for a day, at least for you guys that are my Idaho fans, that listen to my podcasts, that listen or watch my videos on YouTube, on uh, HBRV Lifestyle. Uh, but unfortunately, with weather, uh, the weather patterns on my route, I'm going to be taking it real easy. I'm not going to have the time to come out there, and it sucks. But that's another incredible show where I know like dealers like Bobby Combs RV are just going to be blowing out inventory. You know, they're going to try to shrink their inventory down and they're going to try to get some cash flow back into the dealership. And so, you know, this may be a down year in profit for a lot of dealers. And I think they've come to the conclusion that they're okay with that. They had an incredible run during COVID. Uh, for a lot of them, they got saved by the COVID pandemic. For those that change their business practices, they're probably, you know what, if we take a 30% cut in profit this year, so be it. Let's just keep the cash flow going. Let's keep the market share going. So when the economy gets better, we can make some money. Let's take care of the customer. Man, that's, that's the number one thing I'm hearing out there right now, especially from my new dealers and some of my existing dealers, is let's just take care of the customer. On this entire trip, I've done all kinds of training with all, a lot of my new locations, and that's all I hear. Everywhere I go is, we just need to take care of the customers. You know, if we make a $2 on a deal, we still need to take care of the customer. If we lose three grand on a deal, we need to make sure we take care of the customer. That's been, the motto has been thrown out the window during COVID because of just all the problems, supply chain, 
inventory, banking is just is a wild, wild west for a while. And now they've gotten back to the nitty gritty of the business, which is you, the customer, you, the consumer. So good stuff. Um, trades, guys, trade-ins. This is, if you have a trade-in or you have a used RV you're trying to sell, you, you, and you didn't write a check up front for the depreciation, you're going to be writing a check. Let's make sure you understand that up front, guys. I mean, that's as transparent as anybody can get. I used to explain things uh, kind of different to consumers, okay? So my clients, and if you are one of my clients, you can attest to this in the comments section if you're watching us on YouTube. I used to go after the money all the time, and everybody thought, oh my God, it's just because you're being a dick. And I'm like, no. I'm in it for the long game. I'm in it for the long haul. The best way to be in it for the long haul in the RV business is to get large down payments out of customers. Now, there are some customers in the world that can't afford that kind of large down. But at least when I talk to them, they have the understanding, and it doesn't come to a shock, that when you don't put a lot of money down, when you put the minimum, whatever the minimum may be for your FICO score, 10%, 5%, whatever, you are paying interest on the depreciation when you take delivery. Now, I used to be told all the time that I'm crazy for telling people that. And most people, if they told a customer, that would lose the customer. I never lost the customer because everybody understood that I wore every hat at a dealership. And that I've taken so many trades over the years of clients of mine that I, I wish in year one and two of this business that I had pushed harder to get bigger down payments out of people. You know, there, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, here's one misconception I really need to cover with you about down payment. Oh, that's the dealership's profit. That's a misconception. Okay. Is a dealership's cash flow, but is not a dealership's profit. Okay. The only time that becomes true is when you're buying an older used piece. And when I'm talking about older, I'm talking about 15, 18 years. If you're buying a four or five year coach, it's normal to put 20, 25, 30% down for the bank to finance it. Or even the credit union to finance it. At a decent term and decent rate. So let, let, let me kind of go down that pathway for a second, okay? There was an old saying called, you're down as you're gross. That's just simply not 100% accurate. So folks, when a, when a guy comes up to you and wants you to put, when they're asking on their Foursquare or their worksheet, 30% down, 25% down, this is a recommendation it's not a necessity, but it's a recommendation, especially if you're buying your first unit. 
It's a recommendation to you that's highly, highly pushed by a financial institution. And it's highly pushed by me because there's three cases. Now, I already mentioned number one, which is you're going to pay interest on the depreciation. When you pay interest on your depreciation, you very rarely pay down the loan to where you're even or in an equity position. Okay? And number three, n not everybody RVs their entire life. Okay? So when you pay for all the depreciation and your tax and license up front, and you don't have to pay interest on it, you end up in a decent situation where if you wanted to sell the RV quickly, you weren't going to go sell a private party. You were going to try to just sell it quickly. You are going to consign it at a dealership or sell it to a dealership. You're going to be in a much better position where you don't need to write a check, where you might actually get some money back. On top of that, Instead of having to take a 15-year term on a $25,000 loan, maybe you can take a 10-year term because it'll be around the same payment that you budgeted, budgeted, right? Shorter term, you can pay off the loan a little bit quicker. And guys, the big number everybody looks at is, oh, the percentage down. It only gets bigger as you get more expensive units. Now, as long as you have the understanding that when you put the minimum down, which the minimum down in most states is 10% cash down. Some it's 15, some it's 5. But for the most part, they want you to put 10 to 15% down minimum to give you the loan. No matter what your credit is, your credit can be outstanding in a lot of times. And by the way, if you go to my YouTube channel, HBRV Lifestyle, there's a playlist that gives you everything on finance that I've done over the last two years. It's probably 40 videos in there, and it's going to get added on because I'm going to update some of them. As long as you understand that you're only covering tax and license and that you're really putting zero down on the actual vehicle itself and that there will be a day where you're going to have to write the check, go for it. You're going to write the check someday. It's just a matter of when. There are some folks that have told me, and the majority, I'm going to say 7 out of 10 people, tell me, we understand that. And when I see them in 3 or 4 years and are ready to trade in, they know they're going to have to write the check. And they're okay with that. They probably saved up a little more money. They know what they want. Because here's what really happens, and this makes sense, okay, and I'm going to talk about this part in depth, okay. This makes sense. If you're starting out with a very, let's say you're starting out with something like my trailers. My little trailers I sell to dealers are like 14, 15, 16, 17 foot. That's the majority of them. I have some other stuff, but the majority of them are these little travel trailers that are under 3,000 pounds. You know, the majority of them are around 2,600, 2,700 pounds. And they're welcome to the RV business, get your feet wet type of trailer. They're affordable. You don't need a lot of down payment. You know, they're, they're, they work kind of like the old Nissan Sentras used to with the roll-up windows and no AC. If you remember those, those 99.95 brand new cars, right? 
here's the here's the cool part is when there are folks out there that say you know what i don't want to put a lot of down on my first trailer or my first motorhome or my first toy hauler because i don't know how i'm going to like it i'd rather hold on to that cash and use it down the road when if i never use it so i had one guy explain it to me like that great customer uh he's bought three rvs from me okay by the time he got to the third one, he stroked a $100,000 check to get out of his motorhome into his new diesel pusher. Okay, But when I first started with him, I started with him on an Attitude Toy Hauler, a 21SAG. This is, this is going back 12 years ago. Okay, And he put like three grand, 3500 cash down. And I'm like, why would you only put that little down? I mean, you know you're going to end up upside down in it, right? And he goes... Yeah, no, I understand that. He goes, you know, the good news is, is he says, I'd rather put very little money out of pocket right now. And, you know, he, he said, as I go along, he says, if I upgrade, I'll upgrade probably to a motorhome, which he did. He ended up getting a classy motorhome two and a half, two and a half years later. And he said, I, I'd rather every single time gets somebody tells me, what the minimum cash is going to be to get out of my trade and into the new one. And that's a good strategy too. I've seen that strategy a lot. I saw that strategy uh, when I sold a Riverstone toy hauler to a couple in San Diego, California. They had an Airstream uh, trade-in. And we had this incredible conversation and, and they didn't put a lot of money down. They only put like 10 grand or 12 grand down on the Airstream. And they were big time upside down. And, you know, when the, la- the lady just said, hey, how much actual real cash down do we need, the absolute minimum, to qualify for the new loan? Great strategy. Uh, you know, she said, it, it, and, and, you know, I see that strategy as long as you have that understanding. I see that strategy being a powerful strategy and a great strategy to save cash if, if you look at it that way. Um, if that's your negotiating style, that's a great, great way of going about it because it gives you um, really like, it, it gives me, especially since I was in finance, it gave me the, uh, the uh, option to give you three real options. Okay, this is the absolute minimum for one bank and if I can expand to two other banks, I need this amount, a little bit more. And it gives me the opportunity to sit with you and actually have that conversation. So, I, 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 you know, there's a reason why I push 30%. I always have, always will. I won't stop. But I understand the minimum down, the minimum down, the minimum down. Because over the long haul, it'll save you cash at least a little bit. You know, it probably save them five to seven grand cash down going from their Airstream to this by not putting that big of a down on the B-Van motor. So <clears throat> these are the, the, the little things um, that, you know, I believe we're really, really uh, are important to talk about. It's important to have open conversations, guys. This is... This is the other thing that's very, very difficult for 
anybody, salesperson, customer, is we just get a bad rap. We do. We get this terrible reputation because of Hollywood, because of movies, because of some people's stupidity, YouTube. Not bashing YouTube, but YouTubers trying to tell you how terrible salespeople are. I'm going to tell you, everybody bashes Camping World, okay? There's just such a bash along the industry of this big conglomerate and everybody's like haters about it, you know? You know, and I'm talking about, not only talking about, you know, obviously the internal struggle, but I'm talking about consumers. I'm talking about customers saying they'll never shop at Camping World ever again. Well, there are a lot of incredibly, really good Camping World locations. You guys have to understand, every location stands on its own. I've worked for a Camping World. I worked for a Camping World in Vacaville, California. It's probably one of the best-run individual dealerships, individual stores, that I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot. I've visited a lot. I've talked to a lot of owners. That's a pr- for the size, the scale, the scope, everything they, all the challenges that they have to go through, especially being a business in California. They're a well oiled machine and they're really well run. Their management team, their finance team, their service team, they're, they're pretty much on point. Now, is everybody happy with them? Of course not. Nobody's happy with every business. But the sales team there is really top-notch. If, if, if every customer walked into that dealership and said, everything they're looking for, what price points they're looking for, just gave the entire rundown, A to Z, those folks know how to handle it. And they would take really good care of you whether you buy from them or not. I've seen the same thing at a lot of other dealers, like just a ton of other dealers. For the most part, the majority, I'm going to say 80-85% of the sales force in the RV business are clean, nice, helpful, knowledgeable, incredible people. It's the super duper majority. The majority, the super majority of owners that I've met are just incredible people. And and they're given bad reputations because media. The big bad dealer, we can't let them make any money. That's how people feel. It's not the car business, guys. The car business is way different. I see the car business always changing hands constantly. Every two, three years, a dealer is selling to some conglomerate or selling to somebody else or somebody's opening one 10 miles into the minimum range. I mean, it's just a joke. The RV business is different in that respect. Now, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of dealerships that have been in business 15, 20, 30 years. They're retiring. They don't have anybody to pass it to, so they sold it. Folsom Lake RV in in, uh, in Northern California, Folsom Lake, California. You know, the owner there for years was Charlie. And Charlie is just one of those guys, man, that you go to a bar, 
kick back and throw some beers back and shoot some pool and he's that type of dude you'd never know he was the owner of an rv dealership you'd never know the man is a now a multi-millionaire we never know There's a lot of guys in the industry like that. I mean, you go to open house, you go to the RV Expo for the dealers in Indiana. You would never know these guys are multimillionaires. They don't, they don't show it off. They don't get upset. The majority, super majority of them, um, they don't put you down. They're just regular Joe that wants to crack open a beer and listen to a concert and walk around just like a customer. It's their, their time to be a customer and go check out all the new stuff, right? Just like you're doing at shows. It's their show. It's their Super Bowl. So when you go into these shows, going with the attitude that these folks are here to help you. I know it's one of the hardest things to do is go into an RV show or go into a place of business where people are trying to sell you something and trying to make a living and you're going, you, the, the first instinct is to close up. Like, nope, I'm not gonna tell anybody anything. I'm gonna be quiet. First person to speak loses. Those days are gone, guys. That's the 1960s, 70s, and 80s type of used car salesman selling. Don't answer any questions. Don't answer. When he asks you a question, ask another question. Just answer his question with another question. We don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what price we want us to pay. Just show us around. We're just looking. Okay? These are defensive reactions. And for those of you that have gone to shows last year and you met me, a lot of you started out very defensive. And by the time we were all done, you guys were following me on YouTube and we we're following each other on Instagram. And some of you guys even text and call me. Why? Because you found out that most salespeople in the RV business are not used car people. They're not scumbags. They're not pushy. Majority of them are not pushy. I was. Giant RV, that's where I got my nickname the Honey Badger from. That was a pushy son of a gun. I wasn't pushy in a mean way. I was just, some people would tell my bosses, man, we didn't even know we were even buying anything today. This, I mean, there was no pressure at all. I'm like, please stop telling my boss that because I'm the highest pressure guy in the world. But I was high pressure in different ways. You know, and if you were a customer of mine over the last nine, ten years, you probably understand what I'm talking about. Because you're probably like, "Wow, that went too. That went great. That was the easiest purchase I ever made." I used to have guys that had trade-ins, and they they were, they fight everybody over a trade. Uh, you know, one one of the one of the when a customer. It's interesting because, you know, one guy, he had this classy motorhome he had on trade. He owned the title. He constantly, constantly, constantly was asking everybody. <clears throat> Once to twice a month, he would ask my buddy Greg or my buddy Doug, you know, how much will you give me for my motorhome on trade? How much will you give me for my motorhome? And they go and go look at the book and. 
They give him a guesstimate because you can't really tell him. One day I stopped him before he left the office and I said, you know, I've seen you here four times. You've asked the same question four times, four months in a row. He goes, okay. And I said, you're not going to ever get the answer you're looking for. And I said, so one thing that I always tell customers that used to own their trailers or their motorhomes or their RV or their boat or their car free and clear, he goes, yeah, is I tell them, sit down and write down a number of the difference you would like to pay between the new unit that you want to purchase and your current trade-in. Now, he didn't buy, end up buying from us. He actually ended up buying from Mike Thompson's RV. But he went and purchased because he changed his mindset just a little bit. That little tweak, guys, working off a difference figure is easier for you and easier for the dealership than fighting over a value. The difference figure is a big, the difference figure at the end of the day is what's the most important. Um, I had one guy walk in, had a, had a Winnebago View motorhome, full body paint, gorgeous, absolutely just perfect shape. The motorhome was realistically worth 50 grand. Wasn't worth more than that on wholesale. The guy was looking for 55. So my owner stepped up and said, fine, we'll give you 55, but yet the difference figure between what he want, what he wanted for his trade and what, what he wanted to spend on the fifth wheel, we were 15 grand apart. So that, that's why I keep telling folks that your trade-in value is only a small uh, portion to the puzzle. There's other pieces of the puzzle so, you know, work off a dis difference figure. I, I used to not ask people what the way they wanted for the trade. I used to ask what they want to accomplish the trade. If, if you, especially if you, um, you owed money on it, okay? If you ever hear this phrase, you know they were trained by me, okay? And it was, uh, you know, what do you want to accomplish with your trade? Are you just looking to get it paid off? And I'm going to say the majority of the time people would say, yeah, that would be great. And I'd say, great, set that aside for a moment. How much cash down did you and your family budget for a new trailer or a new fifth wheel or a new motorhome or whatever they were purchasing? And they give me a number. So we know the, number, the real number we're working with. The real number we're working with was that money down. If we couldn't do it with that kind of money down, you weren't doing the deal anyway. Right? And, that, and that's what the bottom line is. The bottom line is... If you didn't put a big down payment, you know you're upside down in your trailer or your toil or whatever, the most important number needs to be how much cash you're going to put down. That's the most important number in the puzzle because the trade's going to be what the trade is. Whether you sell it on your own or whether you trade it in, that, that number is going to be what that number is going to be. You can't change that number because banks control the industry. They control it because they are the ones that lend out the money. And they decide what the value or what they're going to lend on each unit based on a book value. It's not a rabbit pulled out of a hat. It's, it's, it's a normal, natural thing. Oh, well, almost breakfast time here. So that's where I'm at with that. Um... Man, you know, I feel very blessed 
feel extremely blessed with everything going on. It's actually, everything's going good. I was asked that the other day by actually a customer uh, here. I'll read the email. The email is just absolutely fabulous. So let's get into my email here. Okay, where is it? 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 There it is. Okay. This is great. Thank you so much. I listened to your podcast and your regular channel. You're probably one of the only fo folks that could get my husband to get excited about RVing. I was like very shocked by that. Here's another email. This is a great, this is another good one. Thank you so much for talking my husband out of buying a Ford van and converting it. He is always worried about how much money we're spending and the value of everything. The way you explain things in your videos, the way things you explain things in your podcast. When you explain that a van goes off Kelly Blue Book and it doesn't matter what we add to it, it will never, ever be worth more than what Kelly Blue Book says. It made my husband change his mind and we now have a used Pleasure Way van. We're traveling the country as, I, as I'm typing this typing good lord I didn't spell typing right I mean just things like that make this channel and make this podcast worth it just to get those kind of emails last email I got was really cool this was light last night um, thank you for giving us all the information we needed we had bad credit we just bought at a show we had everything they could possibly need up front. And we got the great news last yesterday afternoon that we were fully approved for our loan. And now we get to start our journey. We're going to take pictures and video and start a YouTube channel. Because we're going to visit every single national park in the United States over the next two years. And we're going to take our time. Maybe we'll run into each other. If we do, we'll have probably a million questions. But thank you so much because without this videos, without these videos on bad credit and financing, we probably would have never gotten a loan. Now, that's probably not 100% accurate, folks, because there's a lot of dealerships out there that have the same knowledge I do about subprime lending. I made those videos so that way it made it easier for you to go walk into a dealership and you don't have to wait a week or two to get a response. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I like, I, I just, I, you know, I got burned out on the dealership side. I really did. <clears throat> Let's look at some of the comments on YouTube. <clears throat> 
this is a good this is a comment on another on, on that same video that they're talking about it's not an email it's a comment it says thank you so much a dose of reality is very much always appreciated that was very hard uh, like oh god where is it where is it hold on we're looking hold on just so many comments i appreciate all the comments guys i mean i'm i'm seeing all kinds of comments on the youtube channel i love the omni bt36 model that half bath makes it work the ford v8 diesel is great plus the fuel tank fresh tank black and gray capacities allow you to boondock uh boondock for a couple weeks if desired uh, my only concern is the reliability of the rig doesn't a fifth wheel provide more interior space though? And you know, I, I'll answer that question. You are absolutely 100% correct because you lose a lot of uh, living space in a motorhome of any kind, um, even the diesel pusher, um, because you lose probably four feet of living space just because of the cockpit. Cockpit, sorry, cockpit. Um, a fifth wheel has a lot more space a lot more um, interior storage wear a motorhome guys wear a motorhome kind of outdoes a fifth wheel is an exterior storage you get more ex exterior storage in the majority of motorhomes than you do in a fifth wheel now like i live in a cougar i live in a 369 bhs cougar chiloquin oregon <clears throat> Um, and, and and it has a lot more interior storage than a Super C or a diesel pusher because it's a little bit taller in the living space. It can put more cabinetry. There's a little more hidden storage. Um, you're trying to compact a, 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 a 36 foot floor plan into a 32 foot, 31 foot box is what you're doing on a motorhome. So that's any kind. So the answer to your question is, yes, it provides more interior space, but you get more exterior storage in a motorhome. Okay. Let's go to the next one. I really do enjoy the fact that you are showing closed and open storage. Almost every website or video never shows anything like that. Well, I appreciate that. That's really cool. Uh, as I as I was entering the I-15 southbound, don't know what state you're in, but okay. I noticed one of these in the fast lane as it passed by me. Wanting a closer look, I figured it'd be easy enough to pull alongside for an eyeball, but it turned out the RV was going in the high 80 mile per hour range. I've never seen an RV of any sort going so fast. Leaving fuel economy at lower speeds aside, it was very impressive. I was in my Prius BTW and after I pulled a long slide at very nearly 90 miles an hour I passed him oh high 90s instead of low 90s oh my holy crap man yeah that was on the the, the Omni 
Hey, I really, Wyatt Earp says, I really appreciate the way you do your videos. I like the doors open. I want to see everything that I'm going to purchase. Everything half closed is sort of half assed, just in my opinion. Great video. Thank you so much. Well, though that's that's I mean there's other simpler, you know, thank yous and stuff in there. So uh yeah. Anyway. Well, I think we're gonna wrap it up for today. Um remember Tacoma RV show, January nineteenth through the twenty second. I will be there. Look for Apache campers and um, I'll be somewhere around the Coachman display over there. And I look forward to seeing you guys. Enjoy your show season. If you're in northern Idaho and Coeur d'Alene area, enjoy the Coeur d'Alene RV show, the northern Idaho show. Uh, if, uh, if I see you in Seattle, see you in Seattle. <laughs>